I will do better. <laughs> All right. I thought I got away with eating the wafer. So good. <laughs> Wait, so, you ate it just now into the mic? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the dashingly young, inconspicuously hip, and fortunately lay editors of American Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Olga Segura. Hey, guys. And Zach Davis. I feel like we <laughs> were getting really... Every week, every week. We were getting better at mic technique, and then I just dragged us back. Yeah. Because I sometimes eat <laughs> mm-hmm. into the microphone, and it creates this terrible, gross... Evidently, it sounds gross mm-hmm, if you can yeah. hear me chewing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We try to spare you that, listeners. So uh, what what were you eating, and what are we drinking, Zach? So we are drinking... Um, so there are a lot of cake themed things happening on this week's show, both in the mostly in the signs of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was suggested and we all agreed to it. <laughs> oh, Lord. That we should do a birthday cake martini. OK. Now, I, if I don't sound as excited as I should be about the birthday cake martini, <laughs> it's because not everyone in the in the group has shared my enthusiasm. I never consented to having a birthday cake. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I just think Ashley has, in her old age, gotten to the point where she only wants to drink Jack Daniels. It's true. I'm a little yeah. I'm a little crotchety in my drink choices. And I and I and I'm taking this moment to publicly confront her. <laughs> it's never too late to expand your taste for. Okay, we apologize. Right, we, so, we weren't excited off air, but right now we're about to taste these. And, and, and what's they look in this, beautiful. What's in, they do this, look beautiful. what's in the martini? So we've got vanilla. Just vodka. so people know what yes. I'm being subjected to. So vanilla flavored vodka. Um, half and half. Half and half. Mm-hmm. Chocolate uh, syrup. Chocolate liqueur, okay. not syrup. Liqueur, actually, we're fancy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, chocolate liqueur and uh, whipped, cream. Oh, whipped cream. And it's garnished with a wafer, mm-hmm. a cookie. A cookie thing. wafer. Yes, cookie wafer. Um, I did have help from <clears throat> Ashley and Olga today, so thank you both. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, happy birthday. Happy someone. <laughs> someone. <laughs> Cheers. Ooh, I can't wait to drink this. Oh my God. Mm. Actually, I'm surprised. It's good. I complained a lot, but it's really good. It's like ice cream milkshake with alcohol it, and it, a wafer. It, it is pretty tasty. It That's also good. is very strong. Yeah, no, it is very, very strong. Oh, goodness. Oh, Ashley? I don't hate it. I don't mm. think I could drink the entire thing without having a stomach ache. And our Patreon supporters will have already known what we were drinking because they saw us making the cocktail on the the lens feature, which is like Snapchat for Patreon. Uh, we're starting to post uh, videos of us preparing our drinks there. So you can also get in on that action if you head to patreon.com slash Media. And who are we talking to this week, Olga? So today we're super excited. We are talking to Mario Lopez. Um, and if that name sounds familiar, like, like the Mario Lopez. Yep, yep. Like that AC is Slater. Like Mario Lopez? AC Slater, Mario Lopez of Saved by the Bell fame is on Jesuitical this week. Um, so we're really excited. He's currently the host of E News, and he's recently just started talking about his faith a lot on social media. He was in the Holy Land earlier this year, and he was posting videos. Yeah, there's a there's a picture of him and his abs being baptized in the yeah. Jordan yeah. River. <laughs> I didn't notice the abs, but... I didn't notice the abs either. Just kidding. I totally did. (laughs) But we talked to him about his trip there and how what it means to be Catholic in Hollywood. Um, So stay tuned for that. All right. And now it's time for Signs of the Times, the part of the show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. First, 
The Vatican has told the bishops in Germany to hold off on publishing a nationwide guidelines for allowing Protestants who are married to Catholics to receive communion at mass. So uh, we had talked about this a mm -hmm. few weeks ago on the show because uh, the German bishops had proposed that certain situations um, where Protestant spouses could receive communion, right? Yeah. Um, and how it works right now is that it's left to local bishops. So a local bishop can decide that maybe at um, a child's first communion, both parents can receive communion um, or at a wedding or something like that. And Pope Francis basically said, because the German bishops were not able to reach a unanimous decision on this, that we should keep it how it is, a, a decision made at the local level. What's our next story, Zach? So the Vatican has issued a new document on sports, sports, <laughs> sports, sports. Uh, so sports fans, if you thought maybe that you're if you're a Catholic, that the Vatican wasn't paying attention to the Super Bowl or the NBA finals, they're probably still not. But they're paying attention to Little League. <laughs> yes. They've issued a new document called Giving the Best of Yourself, which talk, touched on a lot of things. Um, but basically, it warned against the dangers of highly competitive children's sports, but also recognized a lot of the uh, value uh, that young people receive, that all people receive, either watching sports or playing sports. Well, my big takeaway was that they said it's okay to play sports on Sundays um, as long as you don't miss mass. And so my question, uh. <laughs> this, this hit very close to home. Um, I, I played competitive soccer growing up, travel soccer, which meant a lot of tournaments, games on Sundays. And, and now I, you're pro, and, so it was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a time when I was missing a lot of CCD, which meant I could no longer get confirmed in the arch in the Diocese of Arlington. And so I found a Jesuit parish in D.C. that would still confirm me. Even um, though you like didn't care about learning about yeah. anything. And, and fun fact, the bishop who confirmed me was Bishop Farrell, who is now Cardinal Farrell, who is the prefect in charge of the Vatican office oh, wow. that released this document. So I think he's like uh, subtweeting me or something. Yeah, he's like, hey. Uh... <laughs> he's subtweeting you via the Vatican. <laughs> but but that, they did bring up a very good point that I think a, a lot of kids have a very similar experience to you. I had a similar one with basketball um, mm -hmm. and I clearly did not make it to the NBA. So maybe not worth it. But even if I did make it to the NBA, uh you know, sports on Sunday are really like important interruptions into kids' highly overscheduled lives, I think. Yeah. And I appreciated that the document wanted to highlight that, you know, sports can help you deepen the connection between like your community with other people. You know, I grew up, a lot of my friends played sports growing up and it made them so disciplined. And because we went to Catholic schools, they also had to like do volunteer work. So a lot of the discipline and maturity that they have as adults, they attribute to sports. So I think this is really encouraging to hear yeah, the Vatican. But it's just a matter of getting your priorities straight when like yeah. when when Little League or soccer comes before mass. Right. That's right. Not great. What's our next story? So our next story comes out of South Carolina. The Red Bank Baptist Church has voted to remove a statue of Jesus and its accompanying reliefs. So the statue and the reliefs have been up there for 11 years. And the church believed that they were too Catholic in nature. So they decided they voted to remove it. Um, so they stated, this is uh, from the church leaders, that we understand that this is not um, a Catholic icon. However, people perceive it in these terms. And as a result, it is bringing into question the theology and core values of Red Bank Baptist Church. And they're also saying that people are confused because there's they're like, oh, this is a Baptist church. But why does it have a statue of Jesus? Yeah, no, when I saw this story, I was I clicked yeah, on it, it expecting yeah. mm -hmm. to see like 
a picture like a bloody Jesus with thorns and like sacred heart ripped open, right? Like him, like sitting on Mary's lap or something. But it's like the whitest Jesus. It's literally just like a white Jesus. It is a white statue. So it is um, a white hand carved statue with Jesus. He has his hands outstretched and he's just all white. And then the reliefs in the back just depict images from his life. So it's not at all. It's it's really kind of weird that they were just you know remove this it is it, it may sound uh confusing but historically it does make a little bit of sense right like ca- there is an aesthetic difference between catholic churches and protestant ones in a lot right. of cases um especially low protestant churches uh whereas they take seriously or they they interpret you know the um command to not make any false images or idols mm-hmm. um they interpret it in such a way that they're pretty bare in church design right. in term, or they're, they're simplified. There's not, there aren't a lot of icons. There aren't a lot of statues and that's yeah. really a Catholic thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was encouraged though. The, the artist who made the statue, who's a former member of this church um, said he was very disappointed by the church's mm-hmm. decision. Um, and he said that to consider Catholics quote, lacking in core values to the point that you wish to prevent or avoid any perceived association with them is unhelpful at a time when like, Christians should be coming together to confront some challenges that we all face in this country. But I will say, it sounds like the artist was upset that he had created something for someone mm-hmm. that they rejected. Mm-hmm. Are you are you connecting this to your cocktail? To the, yes, I am. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Lord. I was, I, honestly, I'm just staring at him like, where is he going with this? But anyways, uh, uh, what's next, Zach? Our next story, uh, this is our first cake story of mm-hmm. many. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Christians in Argentina are outraged uh because a, a minister was shown on video eating a government minister, a government minister <laughs> excuse me uh was shown eating a giant cake of a bloody jesus uh life-sized life-sized mm-hmm. jesus was a cake mm-hmm. they cut into at it at a contemporary art exhibit mm-hmm. yep and had the stigmata wounds we can't leave that out yep uh, it was a red velvet cake mm-hmm. was red velvet mm-hmm. um and people were like what the heck, man? You're making a mockery of our culture. Uh, thoughts on cake Jesus, Ashley? Uh, I'm... <laughs> All right, this is going to sound bad, but this, like, when I read it, I was like, oh, that's, like, the most Catholic thing you can do. Like, literally, like, eat Jesus. But I think the context matters. Mm-hmm. I don't think these people, the people at the exhibit were doing this as, like, oh, let's, like, shock people and to remember that when we have the Eucharist, we're actually eating the body of Christ. I think they were just kind of like, oh, let's shock people by... Are you saying it wasn't tasteful? Yes, I was lacking in a certain decorum. Yeah, no, I I agree with Ashley. I think context matters. Also, it's just a really creepy looking cake. First of all, it looks plastic. It doesn't even look like something you would want to eat. And then there's like images. But the red velvet insides does make it look very, you know, real. (laughs) But when they like remove the... I guess I'll call it skin. It looks like they just de-skinned Jesus and it makes me feel so mm. uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it's weird. So I think we're all three thumbs down on yeah, cake yeah. Jesus from Argentina. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to another story involving cakes. This one, admittedly, uh, closer to home and maybe a little bit more serious or at least... Uh, less weird. Less weird. Yes. 
So on June 4th, the Supreme Court in Masterpiece versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission voted in favor of Jack Phillips, who is a Christian baker in Colorado and owner of Masterpiece uh, Cake Shop. And this decision has been applauded by many, um, while others are sort of condemning it. But before we kind of jump into the reactions, we could back up a little bit and kind of give some of the facts of this case. Yeah. So this started back in 2012 when the baker, Jack Mm -hmm. Phillips, um, refused to uh, bake a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. This was Mm -hmm. before same-sex marriage was legal in Colorado. Um, And he said that, um, you know, he sees his work as a a work of art when he makes a wedding cake. And he did not want to contribute to a same-sex wedding because he felt like that would be um, endorsing it and going against Mm -hmm. his very strongly held religious beliefs. Right. So then the couple filed a complaint with the Colorado Civil Rights Commission under the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Law, which says that businesses that are open to the public cannot refuse to sell something based on race, gender, religion, or sexual orientation. Yeah. In the past 50 years, the courts have consistently ruled that like, if you're deeply held religious beliefs, like, for example, uh, prohibit you from serving uh, like black customers, that's not legit, and you're you're vi- you're in violation of anti discrimination laws. Right, yeah. right. So for the past six years, this has been working its way up through the courts, and was finally made it to the Supreme Court. And people were uh, thought that this was going to be like the big decision that kind of like told us how we were going to balance these competing claims of uh, people with religious. Uh, people's religious views versus mm-hmm. um, LGBT people and their rights uh, to you know buy goods and be right. a part of society. Um, but that's not what happened. The Supreme Court issued it was it's being called a narrow decision, not mm-hmm. because of the number of justices. It was seven to two, but because of the scope of the decision. Um, they did not decide whether um, Jack Phillips had uh, violated this couple's rights. Instead, they decided that the Civil Rights Commission had um, showed uh, impermissible hostility toward the sincere beliefs of Jack. So it's still possible that the couple could sue Jack. Jack could, you know, appeal. And right. if the Civil Rights Commission did not um, show a bias against religious people, you know, he could still be forced to bake a cake. Yeah, and this actually was troubling to me legally because it sort of sets up this precedent where you have the government can be coercive towards religious groups um, as long as they're not necessarily they're they're sort of sleight of hand about their their reasons or agnostic about the reasons. If you don't mention uh, that you don't like it because they're religious, mm-hmm. um, then it's okay. Like like you were saying, and not yeah, so. In in this case, it was very blatant. The commissioner said at one point, um, "Religion has been used to justify all kinds of discrimination throughout history, including slavery and Holocaust." So basically, comparing Jack Phillips' religious belief to something that would justify slavery or Holocaust, like theologically, I would bake a cake for a same sex wedding. Like I'd would well that's culturally i i want to live in a country where same-sex couples have the right to go to stores and buy what they want just like anyone else would but i also given the rapid pace of social change we've gone under in the past five years i also want to live in a country where where we're giving people some time (laughs) um and that your first recourse if if i were if this couple Time, time to time to what Time to reconcile their country doing a 180 on what marriage is 
Hmm. But it, wouldn't wouldn't you say like a lot of people, you know, when you're talking about race or people who have been, you know, hiding their sexual orientation, like they've already been dealing with a country that has mm-hmm. not accepted them. So I feel like the country has had time, you know? Yeah, I don't know if you, again, I would pose the question, would you, would you just like expect, you know, from a, from a government perspective to like give people more time to be less racist? When we in in you know are enforcing, just, I, I would not. I would reject the analogy. I don't think it's the same thing. I am fully in favor of civil rights for same sex couples, but I also, but just, not those civil rights. No, I, I just not from a legal point of view. From a cultural point of view, I would rather live in a country where instead of your first recourse when you face someone who's strongly held religious beliefs mm-hmm. does not want to in their mind endorse something that they are against your first recourse is suing them like try to fraternally correct them i i just don't i am worried about the state of like this country being torn apart by these cultural war issues so i guess we can agree to disagree but the one thing we can agree on is that let's just all bake cakes i would yeah bake just like just bake the cake okay what's next ashley All right, this is our last story. Uh, This Thursday, Julia Greeley, who is a uh, former slave uh, who then lived in Denver serving the poor, um, will be entombed at Denver's Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception to celebrate the 100th anniversary of her death. The thing that makes this really amazing is that she's the first person entombed in this this cathedral, which you said, but it's not a bishop. It's not some monsignor. It's It's a laywoman, a woman of color, and someone whose like legacy is deeply tied up with this country's. So yeah, this is this is a really great story, um, and it's it's encouraging to see people like this because it reminds me of Pope Francis's words in his exhortation, where like you can find holiness in people like Greeley. Um, and there's this really great quote from Mary Leesring, who is the president of the Julia Greeley Guild. Everybody is not going to be a Mother Teresa, but Julia can show everybody that you can be ordinary and become extraordinary just by being selfless and giving. She didn't have a lot, but she gave what she could. So today we are super excited to welcome Mario Lopez, who is a TV host and actor. You might know him as AC Slater on Saved by the Bell or from Dancing with the Stars. He is currently one of the hosts of Extra. Welcome to Jesuitical, Mario. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. We're great. We're yeah. great. We are We are very excited. I don't think we can say enough how excited <laughs> we are that you are talking to us. Um, but first off, oh, so... In March of this year, you visited the Holy Land, and you've shared your experience on social media. So why did you decide to go there? It was a bucket list uh, item that I always wanted to do, and I was there for 10 days, and it was everything I thought it would be and and, and more. I just thought from a historical and biblical perspective, there's no better trip, really. And and just once you're there and everything you heard growing up and in, in, in church and, and reading and you, you went to all the places Jesus went in his 33 years. And I think I literally went to everything. <laughs> um, it just really resonated. And then to see all the, uh, people so passionate and devout in their faith from Christianity to Islam and Judaism, it was, uh, it made you feel pretty, uh, uh, empty as an American, just uh, because or lacking of substance, just because they they're so devout and, and 
it was really cool to see. Um, and I, I wish I could have stayed even longer, and I look forward to taking my family back. Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land in 2012, and Olga recently went um, on a pilgrimage there. And it really is, it's it changes your faith to actually see it. Um, and I also had a similar experience of the, the people really being what stood out. To be, it, it wasn't like being in a museum because there were still people there living out their faith, the same faith for 2,000 right. years. Um, so yeah, that was that is really amazing. Is there is there a specific um, place or encounter that that really stuck out to you as as being meaningful? Uh, well, getting baptized, I think in the in the Jordan River. Yeah, was that's a cool. To get baptized, <laughs> that was that was really cool, and I was fortunate enough that there was Catholic, two Catholic priests there. And, now uh, was that a Romania. renewal, or was that was that you you had been baptized? No, it was a somewhere. renewal. Yeah, um, and I just wanted to be able to you know, do it in the, in the obviously in the the River Jordan, where, where Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist. So that was special, and doing the 14 stations in the Via de la Rosa. Has anything changed for you now that you're back? I mean, there's a, I, from talking to Ashley and Olga and their own experiences, there's a high that comes from, you know, being there and even when you get back. But uh, what's changed for you now that it's, you know, started to settle and mellow a little bit? I mean, just, you know, when you hear Mass or you're reading and you hear certain words and, and they start to talk about Jerusalem, and it's like, wow, I was there, and it, it just really sort of reinvigorates uh, uh, your faith, and um, you, you come back a little, a little changed and, and uh, excited. And I, and I went, uh, ironically, with a friend of mine who was Jewish, and another friend of mine who was uh, a, a sort of an atheist, <laughs> and so it was kind of neat to see all these perspectives, and everyone, I think, was kind of changed. What 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 were uh, what was that like being with them? Did uh, were they surprised in different ways? Yeah, they were. You know, and I I appreciated um, I, I respect for all faiths. So I appreciated learning a lot about uh, the Jewish faith and, and Islam for that matter, and and uh, seeing it all it, um, was was pretty fascinating. Yeah, I think Mario, I like the that you use reinvigorated. I, I after as Ashley mentioned, I was there also for about ten days, um, end of February into early March, and coming back, I felt as if I had this renewed love for Catholicism that I didn't have before. And we've talked about this on the podcast. Like, I haven't been baptized, and this was the first time that I came back, and I was like, "You guys, I want to be baptized, and I want everyone to kind of share in this with me." And I think that happened to me when I was in the Jordan River and seeing everyone renew their baptismal vows, and I was like, "I want to be a part of this. I want the symbolism and the love of this moment." You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt. So um, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Um, do, would you say you're an outlier um, in in Hollywood uh, to be to be a person of faith? Do you feel like that's something you share with people, or that you've ever had to downplay? What What's it like? I think there's a stereotype never, of Hollywood being kind of like anti-Christian. Yeah, I never I never downplay it. As a matter of fact, I'm always very proud and happy to talk about it. And um, I think you know people respect that. I think if you, especially here and. If you're authentic to who you are, I think people um, uh, appreciate it, and, I, and you know that's who I am, and and, and people uh, for the most for the most part respect it. So, Mario, who have been some of your role models throughout your faith journey? Uh, a couple of priests that I've been close to um, here in my parish growing up. Shout out to Father Leo and Father John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so very friendly with, uh, but my grandmother, my grandmother. 
literally went to, I mean, rest in peace, she passed us last year, but she went to Mass every morning at 6 in the morning. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah, that was, she was, yeah, she was hardcore. Mario, do you have a, do you have like a prayer life right now? And how, what's that like? How do you pray? I mean, I, every night and uh, in the morning, or not as long as I do at night, and sometimes throughout the day, just constantly. I'm always constantly in little conversation with God. And that's why when people ask me, you know, how do you pray? And I'm like, there really, there really no rules. I think you just mm. need to uh, be vulnerable to talk to God how you would in, in a conversation. And, um, you know, if you read and get familiar with the Word, obviously it, it helps. But uh, I've had people come up to me and ask me, like, I want to start. I don't know how. And I said, just start. Just, just start talking. So one final question for you, Mario. If you could canonize anyone, Catholic or non-Catholic, living or dead, who would it be and why? Wow, that's heavy duty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. My grandmother comes to mind right away just because she was so <laughs> special to me and, and uh, devout. And uh, she had Mother Teresa vibes to her. <laughs> so I mean, if, I'm, I'm going to keep it in the family. <laughs> said anyone. I like it. I mean, if Mass at 6 a.m. every day and Mother Teresa vibes doesn't yeah. get it for you, I don't know what will. <laughs> and, and what's your yeah, grandmother's? Exactly. What, what's her name? Her name was uh, Rosa. All, All right, right. Saint, Saint Rosa. Rosa. All right, yeah, Saint, Saint Rosa, Rosa. Pray for sounds us. pretty, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Mario. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to talk with us. It means a lot. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you uh, for having me on, guys. All right. Yeah. Thank Great. you so Thanks, much, Mario. Okay. You too. Bye. All right, now it's time for some listener feedback. First, a shout out to our new patron, Glenn Adams, at the ambassador level. Um, please check out our Patreon. As mm-hmm. we said early in the, earlier in the show, we're now posting some behind-the-scenes videos, um, so those are fun. And also this past week, we had our, our monthly chat, um, which has been really exciting. So we have we have our Facebook group, and you should check that out, facebook.com slash group slash Jesuitical. Uh, everyone has a Facebook still. You should check it out. But and the discussion there has been really good. But one of the things, if you're willing to support us at the Patreon level, we have a monthly video chat where we'll bring an article or a discussion topic. Uh, and so this week we were talking about uh, call out culture, um, picking up on uh, Cardinal uh, O'Malley, uh, Cardinal O'Malley. 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 Cardinal O'Malley calling out Pope Francis uh, on his record on sex abuse and that leading to like some net good. Uh, for the church. So we, we were talking about to our patrons about how do you call someone out? Mm-hmm. How do you call out someone on Twitter? How do you call out your spouse? How do you call out your friend? Um, and I was really, really moved by our conversation. Yeah, and no, it was a great conversation. So we have that each month, usually towards the end of, end of the month. Um, so definitely check that out at patreon.com slash America Media. Now it's time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Zach? Today is the Feast of St. Boniface, so I thought I would bring uh, a story from my in Ashley's parish, which is St. Boniface. Uh, this past Sunday, I was asked to uh, sort of lead a discussion with our young adult group on millennials in the Catholic Church. But statistics, if you're looking at that and preparing for that, can be very bleak and very uh, daunting because a lot of millennials are leaving the Catholic Church. And so there was a real easy temptation to despair about that, about the amount of people that showed up, 
um, about, you know, there are different struggles with getting young adults involved in any parish, but in ours is no exception to that. But we were really able to choose to look at that and decide to like think about what did we love about the church? What has kept us engaged? And choosing to look at where God had been present through all of that with this group of people. You know, we chose to spend time with each other and with God instead of choosing to spend time where God wasn't, which is where, you know, the anxiety, the despair, Mm -hmm. the, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And so that was my consolation this week was being in that small group of committed people. And, you know, my roommate, uh, who JP, who listens to the show, went with me to this discussion and he's like, I really want to go to mass at this parish now. Um, And so I think we'll have another one joining us for mass. Awesome. Olga, what do you got? I've also got a consolation this week. So I mentioned, um, I don't even know how long ago, maybe two or three weeks ago, that I found a new uh, a parish, St. Charles Borromeo. Um, and I hadn't been able to go because I was traveling with my friends and just couldn't go the following Sunday. But Enoch and I, Enoch, my boyfriend, we went back this Sunday. We didn't go to St. We went to uh, Resurrection Chapel, which is under St. Charles uh, Borromeo, because um, we wanted to go to the 10 a.m. service. Uh, so we went there and it was, Enoch is Protestant, so like, Going to a mass and all of the structure is very new to him. Um, he grew up very kind of Pentecostal, so like it's he's very charismatic. Like people speak in tongues at his church, so like being in a in this kind of space is very weird for him. Often, sometimes it's so he's still like growing on him. But this week, it was just really nice having him like ask me questions and like me kind of holding his hand through this and kind of like the two of us being in relationship with God, but in my space, you know, it's like coming back home and bringing him with me because for the past year I've been going you got you know you guys and our listeners know I go to another church with him so I've been very involved in like his traditions um but this week I got to share that I've the past month or so I've been sharing that with him and it was it's really consoling to kind of share God with him in Catholic space so that's nice. great that's yeah. fun this is we have very interlocking oh boy uh, consolation this week. Um, so I also have a consolation. Uh, the reason I wasn't at your uh, your talk, Zach, is that I was at St. Charles Borromeo. <laughs> what? <laughs> did you know this? Did you? Olga, did you know that? I did not know no. this. Um, so I went to St. Charles Borromeo, um, which, as Olga said in previous episodes, it's a predominantly African-American parish in Harlem. Um, I was going for a, high, or a middle school graduation mass Um and so I show up. Uh, the person I'm going with uh, has to sit with the students. So uh, at this parish, this was new to me. Um, if you're new to the parish, but basically what this translates into is if you're white, they escort you to a separate separate part of the sanctuary. Um, so there are pews, you know, like you would have in any mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. Is and it then just that most new people are white? I'm confused. No, it's it's that tourists often come just uh, to like yeah. see the mass <laughs> more as like a cultural experience. I was than wondering like, why every like all of the white congregants were just kind of like <laughs> off to the no, side. No, okay. so you walk in and like they pull you aside and hmm. try to and like take you to this separate area. Um, so the person I was with was like, oh, no, no, no. Like she can she's coming for mass like she can sit in the regular sanctuary mm-hmm. um so he did but he was also like hey, you should probably like sit to the side um people like have their spots uh so i like go all the way to the end of a pew I'm, like sitting there uh for a long while every everything's filling up and no one's sitting next to me and i was just like okay um this is different uh, fi- someone did eventually sit next to me and it, you know it was great it was a that mass is amazing and but 
it th- there was a sense of like I'm not often in uh, I'm not often the minority, and so this was like a situation where I um, felt like vulnerable in a different way, um, and I need to, I'm trying to choose my words like carefully because I'm an outsider in this specific um parish community but i'd be lying if i didn't say like i part of me didn't feel completely welcome um and but i i I say this is a consolation because i don't think god is always just there to comfort you i think he's there to stretch you and i definitely like felt like Mm -hmm. i was being stretched by like being in this position of like you know like this is a catholic maths like i i I know i belong here but i still feel uncomfortable and so i guess that means i'm supposed to feel uncomfortable right now Mm -hmm. and kind of just deal with it (laughs) right right um so yeah so kind of seeing god in that in that in that place thanks for sharing that because it's like not a lot of people would one put themselves in that vulnerable space because it is hard being like and like that's i don't think like i'm now like woke because i've like experienced what it's like (laughs) to be a minority of course not um but yeah (laughs) no no but it there is something there is something i think really important in the fact that you one were in that space and are also like oh my god i'm in that space this is how i feel but that's okay Mm -hmm. right you know you're not running away from that discomfort so Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. All it's right. a good reason to miss my talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Zach. <laughs> Judge Whitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Adverbs provided by Jose Antonio Rodriguez. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup SJ. Engineering and design by Angelo Jesus Conta. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Shout out this week to Myra FDA, Airbender, and Maddie C513. And send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at AmericaMedia.org. For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Olga Segura and Zach Davis. We will see you next week.